Footy Ado, the Delusional Soccer Podcast. Footy Ado, a soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association. Welcome into Footy Ado. We're going to start things uh, this week a little bit differently. Jared will be joining me uh, later. We'll get through a little uh, Bundesliga chat later on in the episode. But um, first off, I'm joined by Ricky Hartz, the founder of the 1881 Club. Uh, it's a podcast. It's a YouTube channel. Tell us a little bit uh, more about it, Ricky. Uh, yeah, so uh, basically what I do is create Watford vlogs. So obviously I'm a Watford season ticket holder. Obviously not at the moment. Um but generally, that's what I do. Um, obviously, I've got a FIFA. I sort of do gaming alongside that. And uh, yeah, like you say, I do podcasts as well, um, where we sort of discuss Watford and just things that are going on in the Premier League. Now, uh, before we get into specifics about Watford um, and the situation going on at your club, um, do you think, in an overall standpoint, do you think that the Premier League should be coming back as soon as we're you know kind of told to expect about Maybe a, like a month out, we're here in June twentieth and twenty first is uh, a possible start date. Yeah, no, personally, I I don't think it should be starting then. I mean, they've sort of eased. Well, they said they've eased people going into back, uh, going back into training, um, but like you say, with Watford, we've got I think it's three. Well, yeah, we've got three people together who've uh, tested positive, uh, five if you include staff, um, and. Uh, yeah, that's just Watford alone. Um, I know N'Golo Kante at Chelsea has said he, he doesn't feel safe coming to training. And I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you've got to sort of remember that football isn't everything. Like at the end of the day, lives do matter more than football. Um, and I just think we just need to remember what the priority is here. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned Kante and the, you know, the, the man at your club taking a stand is the captain, Troy Deeney. Um, he's uh, refused to return to training over the concerns with the coronavirus, but most specifically, um, it's, it's about his, his infant son who has shown some breathing problems and he doesn't want to risk his son's health. You know, he has more kids, you know, he's got a family that he's got to worry about. So what are your thoughts on, on Troy Deeney taking this stand? And, uh, do you really think that it's going to have any effect on the, the league's decision to try to get the, the game back up and going? Um, I, first of all, I just want to say, I, I obviously completely back Troy Deeney. I think, like I just said, you, like it's, there are many other priorities than just football. Um, as much as I'd like to say, yeah, go ahead, let's play football. Um, there is families at stake, lives at stake here. And, um, yeah, like you say, it's a five month, five month son that he's got, um, who's got breathing problems, breathing difficulties, which obviously coronavirus is notorious for. Um, I think. It's. I don't know whether it will have an impact on the league's decision. I, I would hope that it would, um, and I would hope that by Troy D, Troy Deeney doing what he's doing, I hope it will encourage other other players from the Premier League to take a step and say, well, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to go to training either. Because a hundred percent, there are other tra- uh, there are other players who are feeling the same way, and I think Troy Deeney could have potentially been the one who who sort of took that first step, and hopefully others will follow. Yeah, I know that before teams were returning to training, um, I, I think Sergio Aguero um, was out saying, 
that you know he was worried and other players were worried. Willian from Chelsea came out and said that a, a majority of the players that he's spoken to are worried about a return to training and a return to football before um, before we're actually ready to do this. So it's it's interesting to see that they're you know still allowing things to to go back as normal, um, and we see that you know the Bundesliga is is back. You know they're back underway this weekend for the second week in a row. Um, but, you know, things were handled a bit better in Germany um, than they were in England um, and definitely a lot better than they're, they're being handled over here in the United States. But, um, you know, there there were six positive tests um, at first in that first round of tests throughout the entire league as far as players and staff. But, you know, now, like you said, there's, there's five... Five positive tests at Watford, I believe. Yeah, I think that's including staff members. I think there's two staff yeah. members and three players. Yeah. Okay. So and and the the one player that we have the name of um, is Adrian Mariapa, and he was shocked. I I saw it to see that he tested positive. So um, at least it's a, a situation where he's not really showing any symptoms. But in my opinion, it just shows that Troy Deeney's decision has been justified by these positive tests. Yeah, massively. I think it's it's one of those diseases or viruses rather that it doesn't need to show the uh, the symptoms, and that's sort of the scary thing about it. It can just sort of creep up on you, and then um, yeah, just take you by surprise, like it did with Mariapa. Um, and yeah, Troy Deeney, obviously, if he was to go to training, there is a, quite a high chance. I know they're having all these procedures and stuff, but I think there's still quite a high chance that he could come into contact it's, it's very very easy to catch and obviously that's why we're doing the whole lockdown thing and I just think it like you say it does back uh, Troy Deeney's decision to not go to training yeah and it's it's almost this thing of where we we've done this lockdown and if we come out of it earlier than we're actually ready to then it made the entire two three month process um not not worth it in my opinion because it you know if we weren't willing to go all the way through it then it it just you know it we're just going to end up in the in the same place that we thought we were going to end up in if we didn't actually go into lockdown but um i you know in my personal opinion i i don't see any good reason why they should be restarting the league um if the entire league doesn't have the all clear which is what's going on, like I mentioned, in the, in the Bundesliga, uh, Dynamo Dresden are in self-isolation, and two more players for them have tested positive. So the Bundesliga is back, but this one club hasn't hasn't trained, hasn't played, and it it doesn't make any sense to me if we're trying to you know keep the the competition at a you know a fair level. I I don't understand why they would get back underway until everyone had the all clear. Are you afraid something similar may happen in the Premier League and, you know, quite possibly with Watford being being the quote-unquote, you know, Dresden of the Premier League in this situation? Yeah, I think if the Premier League aren't careful and they do rush into it, which it honestly does feel like they're doing, it's almost like they just want to get it going just for whatever media contracts, I don't know. Um, it does feel like they're sort of pushing it. Um, but yeah, like you say, they're... they're they're supposedly trying to keep it fair, but and by like doing like, oh, the matches will be played at neutral grounds, etc. But is it really fair if Watford are missing their their talisman, their captain? Like the effect that Troy Deeney has, not necessarily always 
in terms of the, like his actual footballing ability, but the leadership that he brings and the morale that he gives the players it, it's, it's incredible. And the, it's the same for other uh, other teams as well, not just Watford. Like as you can see, um, Kante at Chelsea, he's a very very good player, a key player for Chelsea. They're, they're going to potentially be missing out on him, and that's just two clubs and. I'm sure just I could count the many examples on my finger. There are probably so many more. Yeah, uh, I, I think there are definitely plenty of players that are back in training that, you know, wish they weren't and wish they were taking a stand, but um, are kind of just going along with it because it's what their club wants and they think it's going to be better for, I guess, their, their playing time, for their career, for their relationship with the manager going forward. Um, you know... Do you think that at, at any point that, you know, Troy Deeney's stand here is going to um, maybe influence some more players to, you know, stop training even if they've already showed up? Or it, do you actually see it influencing any Premier League decision? Or do you think they're just going to say, you know, that's your call, but we've we've been given the uh, the go-ahead by the by the government and, you know, that's, that's all we need for us to get going? Yeah, yeah it's a good question. I think... Obviously, with Troy Deeney coming forward, I think it um, it's like you can see everyone's talking about it. Well, Liverpool mm-hmm. fans more than others, obviously. <laughs> Not the biggest fans of Troy Deeney at the moment. But um, yeah, no, I think everyone he's got everyone talking. He's got like the pundits talking. He's got all these news media outlets talking. And I think that's going to sort of build up a discussion, build up a debate. And that will force the Premier League into sort of having to question their decisions. And I think if more players begin to do that, it's just even more pressure on the Premier League not to start it, which I think they shouldn't be doing, not this early anyway. No, yeah, like, it, it's one thing if we say, you know, well, we won't put a timeline on it, but we are going to finish these matches, but we're not going to do it until it's safe for everybody and we can guarantee our players' safety, guarantee safety of the staff and, you know, the, the families of these players too, because I, I think that's the biggest worry. None of these players are really coming out and saying, oh, I'm really worried about my own health. No, they're, they've got... They've got wives, kids, everyone to worry about. Um, so it, to, to think that we're just, you know, jumping right back into it. And the, I think the problem with it is there's a lot of people that feel the same way that I do, maybe feel the same way that you do, that, you know, but if football comes back, we're going to be turning on the TV and, and tuning in. And I think that's that's the biggest problem. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things that um, we've kind of been discussing over the past several weeks is... Um, whether or not these these leagues should be taking up a a huge amount of tests to to test athletes. Now, um, that comes from my viewpoint being in the U.S. Um, because you know, although the president can claim that anyone who wants a test can get one, it's just not the truth. Um, over here right now. So is this, is anything similar like that happening um, in England or are, are the tests fully available to anyone and everyone? Uh, well, they say the tests are available. Obviously, there's like, um, like drive-through tests available mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. Um, personally, for me, I, I, I don't know how available they are um, because I, my mum's, um, what's it, uh, uh, specifically vulnerable. So I haven't been out and obviously even going out to get a test, it, it puts yourself at risk and obviously it puts, puts my mum and my family at risk. Yeah. So um, a test really hasn't been considered. So we've literally just been staying home completely, not going out for walks or anything. Um, and 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know how available they are. I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's better than it was because um, I remember it was literally like nobody was getting tests, basically. Um, mm -hmm. But now I think they are available um, and I think it is getting a little bit better. But I, I might be I might be a little bit off with that. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I fall into the same category myself, though. You know, I, I myself have breathing problems, which is why I'm, you know, so happy that Troy Deeney is taking a stand, that someone is taking a stand. Um, mm. And both of my parents um, have uh, uh, immune system issues that, that, you know, are a, a big worry for them in going out. So it's it's kind of the same situation. We've just been locked down at home for two and a half months, not really going out for, for anything unless it's absolutely vital. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, some states over here have a situation where it's better. Even if you're not showing symptoms, you can get tested. But, you know, it, it, it's just not the case everywhere. So, you know, if, if sports got back underway in the U.S., that's what my worry would be is that we're taking tests away from, um, from people that need it just to test athletes so we can, you know, get sporting events back underway. But, um, you know, the, the report came out about two weeks ago that it was the bottom six clubs that were kind of banding together um, and didn't want to agree to play in neutral venues unless relegation was scrapped. What are your thoughts on, on this whole idea of, of neutral venues? I personally think, well, the whole thing of being played behind closed doors, I'm not a fan of. I, I don't think okay. anyone's a fan of, really. But um, in particular, when I, I guess that teams at the top of the table probably might not sort of see it the, the same way that we do. But when you're in the bottom six and you're fighting for relegation, because being relegated from the Premier League obviously it has a massive, massive impact. Um, and it's obviously not nice. So um, when, you're, when you're fighting for relegation like that, I don't, I don't understand why it's supposedly fair to make those teams play behind closed doors because we know, I'm sure you guys are aware as well, um, how big like the crowd, how much of a difference the crowd makes, how mm -hmm. much they can prove to be the 12 man and they can be the difference between a win or a loss or a winner and a draw. They they have a massive impact, and I just think it would just it wouldn't be the same. And then you you could argue that maybe if, I don't know if Watford if the season did go on to be played behind closed doors, and I don't know Watford were to go down, you, there would always be that. Well, what if what if Watford fans were allowed in? It, it could have been a completely different scenario. Yeah, because it's it's not like it's just an easy an easy trek back up. It's not as easy uh, mm. to to come back up. Um, yeah. and you know, you see a lot of clubs, it does take a lot of time. Some clubs, you know, like Sunderland a few years ago, they were relegated yeah. twice, <clears throat> twice in a row, which is, um, obviously one of the worst case scenarios, but, um, you know, that is possible. And if you, you look back on it and say, well, yeah, we were relegated because we were forced to play games behind closed doors. Um, then you, you'd feel pretty hard done by that. Now, um, the, the idea of relegation getting scrapped. Um, is there really a point in in continuing if if like is there a point in in these teams fighting so hard to get back underway if if the idea of relegation is scrapped for the season um i you know with liverpool so far ahead um at the top of the table and you know the idea that there's going to be no one dropping down it just doesn't it doesn't have that same fight in it to you know to continue to play in in these circumstances yeah and i think i think the reason that um it was sort of suggested to do it without the sort of fear of relegation i think it was because um 
what was it? It was because obviously like the the Premier League have like media like contracts and rights that they yeah. I think they have to fulfil like TV broadcasting or whatever. Um, so I think it was so that they could get that done, but also then for the uh, for every other team they don't have to play players that they don't that don't feel like they want to play. They can choose who they want to play, and it's not that much pressure because for example, if Troy does Troy Deeney doesn't want to play. Um, I don't know, Ben Foster, Decorah, let's say they all step forward and said, oh, well, we don't want to play. That could have a massive impact. In fact, it probably would have a massive impact. Um, so I think just taking away the uh, the like relegation, I think it would allow the Premier League to fulfil their sort of part of it. And then like all the other teams could sort of just take it easy and not force players into doing things they don't want to do. Yeah, and there's there's been ideas put on the table. What do you feel about, you know, the championship clubs that are towards the top, you know, with Leeds at the top of the table and the championship, you know, saying, well, if relegation doesn't happen, you know, what happens to us? Because it seems a little bit unfair in, in that aspect. There's there's not really an answer that's going to appease everybody, but um, I know there's some ideas of, you know, promoting the two automatic spots from the championship and, you know, playing a, a season with 22 clubs and, you know, relegating more next season. Um, what are your thoughts on ideas like that? Or do you have any ideas yourself that, that you think would w- work out and kind of appease the, the highest percentage of clubs? Uh, I have had a thought about it, but to be fair, it was a long time ago. It was like just before we even went into lockdown. Um, but I think my thought, was on, my thought on it was that we should just do the 22-man league. I think, I think the EFL... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they've said that teams will be relegated and promoted in the Championship and League One, I believe. Um, so I, th- I think a 22-team league would, would sort of be the best way to go about it, in my opinion. Um, and then obviously just five teams get relegated next season. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, unless you... Uh, do you have any ideas? I, I think that the 22-team the league is is the best way to go forward because, you know, it... I, you know, my my thoughts the entire time are it's it's got to be impossible to relegate any of the clubs in the bottom three um, without finishing the season. But then even if we finish the season behind closed doors, the sporting merit isn't what you want it to be. Um, but also, like I said, Leeds and, and West Brom are in those automatic promotion spots, and you'd, you'd have to feel, feel a little bit bad for them if it was a, a complete lost campaign um, from their mm. view. And you know they don't get to to come up because it, that it just creates um, plenty of different issues all around. You know we're we're already having issues with with player contracts if they're gonna um, be honored through the end of the season that that'll extend past that usual June thirtieth deadline. Um, but you know I, I I do like the idea of twenty two clubs up there um i think that would make for an exciting season with even with five teams getting relegated at the end of it but um we'll we'll see what they end up deciding yeah As, i think so too and i think like you say yeah keep going oh yeah no so basically i was just i was just going to touch on your point about leeds and obviously west brom like i would i know i would be gutted if if i'd put in like if my team had put in all that effort and then to not get the reward of promotion at the end of it it'd be heartbreaking demoralizing and you just think well like what waste of time really and um yeah no 100% I think they deserve to go up I think obviously it's not easy being promoted to the Premier League and it's sort of one of those 
things I think they both deserve it. Obviously, they've been brilliant. So I think, yeah, like you say, I think it, we should get them promoted as well. Yeah, you know, the the, the clubs that are, um, you know, vying for those, the playoff spots can are, are going to feel a little hard done by it. You know, maybe teams that are, you know, just on the brink of qualifying for Europe are going to feel like they should have had a better chance or, you know, it, it should have been done more fairly. But... Like I said, we're, there's no way we're gonna we're gonna make everyone happy. So it's kind of just seeing what the best you know option is for everybody, and we'll we'll see if that means that we're we're gonna get underway in, in a in about a month's time. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would like to thank you for thank you again for coming on and uh, joining us for this discussion to hear a little bit more about. Uh, about Watford's situation and you know hopefully for the club it, it gets better in the in the coming weeks and um there are no hiccups in in you know returning back to football but it doesn't seem like that's going to go quite that way but mm. um once again thank you for joining and just uh you can give yourself a little plug on social media where we can find <laughs> you and and the club uh, yeah, so on Twitter, uh, at the underscore 1881 underscore club. On YouTube, the 1881 club. Um, yeah, that's everything, the 1881 club, basically. But I just want to say um, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. And uh, anytime, anytime you need a Watford fan on again, you know where to find me. Yeah, we'll be reaching out. Thanks again. <laughs> Perfect. Take care. I'm basically welcoming you into the second half of the podcast. Oh, to... wow, well, yeah, it was great for you to invite me. Yeah. Happy to, happy to have you joining me in the second half. Um, we got some yeah. good insight on yeah. the situation with positive tests and players refusing to train and whatnot at Watford. Watford, right? I am excited to hear that portion. I feel like Watford's sort of... The, the angle you kind of want to get when it comes to um, players refusing to play. I don't even want to say refusing, because refusing sounds too negative of a, of a connotation. Yeah, it sounds like they're wrong. Like, yeah, yeah, but uh, deciding uh, against playing, you know, for the betterment of their own families. Um, so that'll be very exciting to hear. I'm excited to, to listen to that portion. And now it feels like, since I'm coming in next, if I'm the guest. Yeah, I'm the guest on the this, is guest, this is this is this is guest Gaza. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely it's always an interesting dynamic when uh, when you when you come in in the second half because you get to listen to the first half of the pod and it's the first time you heard it. it you know, it's you know you're really pegging the uh, the listenership numbers up. It really helps because yeah. you know. You know, me and Nick, when we do a podcast, we don't listen to it ever. We barely listen to it when we edit the podcast. So yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I've sort of taken that responsibility on myself to be like, okay, I'll listen to it. There's times where I don't. Times it really just depends on how I feel the episode goes. It'll if I if I feel like I really enjoy it, I'll go back and listen. To it. Sometimes it's also just good to. I mean, with this podcast, you kind of have to listen to it immediately, or you know, within that that confined space, or else it'll be just like. What are they talking about? You yeah. Know, it's, um, you have movies you can listen to it whenever you want. But like that way, yeah, you have the luxury to just be like, I'll just listen to it in two or three months when I completely forget everything that was said. Yeah, and that's... Always, like listen to something new. That was the idea behind Banana Land, which will be coming out uh, pretty soon, so look out for that. Um, but also, 
in the first episode we recorded three months ago, we're talking about the Iowa caucuses, and that's going to be an episode released uh, in the first week of June. So yeah, there's. I mean, there's no yeah pre pre pandemic nothing. You know. Nothing. We're we are pretending like the world hadn't drastically changed. Yeah. Um. Since since that was recorded, and I'm I'm excited to see how that turns out. But yeah. um, let's get back to the uh, back to the football. We're gonna take a look at. The Bundesliga, um, you know, we have match day 27 this past week, this past weekend, but we also have midweek matches. Um, you know, at the time of recording, their classicer kicks off in about an hour, um, so we're gonna look at that and make uh, pretty terrible predictions, which will already be wrong by the time you listen to this. Um, but but first, it just popped up on my phone um, right before I hit the record button, and it's been two days since the. Loris Carrius nightmare in the UEFA Champions League final. Um, two days. Did I say two days? Two, oh my god! Holy shit! Two Football. years. Pardon, pardon, French. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the twenty eighteen Champions League final was on May twenty fourth, twenty twenty. Clearly, um, no. But so yeah, two years. <laughs> two years. Woo! I'm I'm doing good. Two years uh, since that happened. Um, just oof city i mean it's so so rare that you get a game where uh you know the deficit is two goals and those two goals that made up the deficit are so absolutely ridiculous like gareth bale's overhead kick you'll take it but if that's the only goal scored for madrid you're going to extra time it's one one right but carius throws the ball into benzema for one, and then Bale shoots it from about 30 yards out directly at him, and he punches it into the goal. So um, not a day that Liverpool fans will remember fondly, but, you know, they got their uh, their sixth European trophy a year later. So um, Yeah, and it, it should be said, I feel like it's, like, how impressive that was for them to do that. And I, it's something you actually just popped up was about um, Bayern. Um, who we'll talk about in a little bit, and how they lost in heartbreak the one year, and then like to go back the next year and still win, mm-hmm. like it, it, you know, you you think that the, you always think those teams that make it to the final, you know, the, the teams that make it to the semifinals and the finals are always sort of in the loop there, but it's like with how random the Champions League can be, you never know. So like the fact that they were able to get, come back and and make it to the final again, it's just you know. Testament to both teams in both situations. Now, in that 2012 final that you're talking about, that Chelsea uh, beat Bayern on penalties, did did Robin miss a penalty in that match, or did he score in the penalty shootout, or was he not even? He scored in the penalty shootout. Okay. He missed an extra time. He missed a penalty in extra time. Okay. So Czech saved the penalty in extra time. I believe yeah. he went and took it in in the shootout. And yeah. sco- um, he might not even have taken one. Now that I'm thinking about it. It was. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a look at it real quick. Philip Wom um, and Mario Gomez take the first two. Um. I know Schweinsteiger takes. Speak. Another, yeah, he takes the fifth. And then maybe it's. I know the guy who missed it wasn't Robin. I don't know. Maybe Robin takes that. If anything, he takes that third penalty. Um. um uh, the so. So Robin didn't go. Uh, Lam, Gomez, and Neuer 
made the first three right. for Bayern. How am I forgetting? Neuer. Yeah, Neuer took the third. Then it was missed by... Olech. Ivica Olech and then Schweinsteiger. No. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. So, talking about how impressive that is for, for Iron Robin to miss that penalty in extra time and against his former club and then the next year to go on and score the winning goal... I'll be in a crap goal at a cup final. That little that little dribbler past uh, um, Vodenfeller in the Der Klassiker Champions League final um, at Wembley, but but you know he he made up for for uh, his error just just a year before. So that's like you said, that's pretty big. Of course, um, Loris Karius did not get the chance to make up for his error, but uh, the the club. Um, ultimately overcame um, that that defeat a year prior to the win. So um, let's take a look at the match day 27 results before we get into the midweek fixtures. And I'm going to start off with a match that was on Sunday, but boy, is our team that we had chosen to support after they lost 4-0. Are they not doing good? Schalke lost 3-0 to FC Augsburg. Um and so I didn't know this. I, I saw these stats after um, after we had picked them, but they are winless in nine, scoring twice and conceding 22 times. <laughs> Not looking good for uh, David Wagner's men uh, in Schalke. But are you in any way regretting the team that we have chosen? They are. No, they're... 13 points above the drop. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are staying up. <laughs> we, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, the, I actually, because you texted me afterwards, like, yo, we picked the team for David Wagner. And I was like, oh, well, that's extra cool. I mean, I can't, the thing doesn't, like, I, I have the, I have the hoodie that you got me. Yeah, you, you, you've you got the apparel. I, I'm, I'm not tied down to a German team, actually. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm locked in. I'm locked in. Um. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a tough go for them now. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're pretty much nestled into the middle of the table. I think we'll see them drop a little bit if this like run continues, but I, I don't think it's going to be, I mean, there, there's not enough time for them to really be in any sort of danger. Uh, so this might just be one of those things where you sort of regroup um, and just get ready, get into a groove to get ready for the, you know, the off season and, and, and next season, so I'm not concerned. Um, feeling pretty good, but again, you know, it might just be my fan bias. Listen, know? they're in the top half of the table. Yeah, <laughs> they're doing good. <laughs> I am not concerned whatsoever. Um, so we uh, we also saw, you know, uh, one of the the bigger matchups as far as you know um, teams vying for Champions League football and whatnot. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen beat uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, 3-1 um, in an away match. And we'll, we'll touch on the, the away record for, for teams thus far. But um, that win for Leverkusen takes them right above Mönchengladbach up into fourth place, um, you know, ahead on a point by a point. So there's seven more matches to go. So Leverkusen, uh, that, that's a massive win because, you know, it's one of those, we, we talk a lot in the Premier League terms, um, you know, the relegation six-pointers and the, the six-pointers for the big six clubs. But, you know, if if Mucin Gladbach get this win, then 
you know, they're what five points ahead of uh, of Bayer Leverkusen, and Champions League football is kind of you know looking real, really tough to get for Leverkusen. But as as things stand, um, they look they, yeah, they look they to be getting for... into into the the Champions League thus far. Yeah, and that and that and that uh, top five sort of or at least you know the bottom half of it starts to tighten up. It's fifty four points for Le- uh, Leipzig, fifty three for Leverkusen, fifty two for. Uh, Richard Gladbach, and then of course you have Dortmund, who are going up against Bayern. Um, so we either see the f- top five as a whole sort of compress a little bit, or we just see two through five compress as Bayern pulls away. So that like that, it's still there's still some intrigue in that top five. Albeit it might not be as as strong as it was uh, earlier on in the season. Yeah. Um, so. Out of uh, on match day twenty seven, um, you know the second week back for for Bundesliga, um, there were only two teams that won at home. Now, give me that stat um, on the first two weeks of the return of the Bundesliga. Um, it, yeah, um, so three wins, five draws, ten losses, and that's for that's for the home sides thus far. So side, yeah. we had a lot of questions going into it. You know what what would it look like? Um, what would the the results look like? You know, is it just going to be the best teams that are going to be winning? It, you know, are we going to see home field advantage kind of be taken away? And we have absolutely seen that the home field advantage. It's not even that it's like oh the advantage doesn't exist. It's it's very much the the traveling advantage right now, which is quite odd to see. Um. Do you expect this to to continue on? Do you think it's just a, a trend based on you know the the fixtures in these first two weeks, or do you think we're we're really going to see the home field advantage while the stadiums are empty not matter? Yeah, I mean it'll they're still they will certainly matter less. I think and, and if you know if that like they you might be right they might just be completely gone. We might just see. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be the. The better teams, it's not going to be like a, basically dependent on because like we're just looking at Schalke, Augsburg, Augsburg are in twelve, Schalke's in eight, so it's not like okay, but obviously, Schalke were struggling mightily um, coming into these, you know, coming back, you know, for the season halted, they were they were having a tough go of it. So I think just the teams that are are in better form, regardless of home field, um, are really going to to benefit from this. And I think we're going to get a clearer idea of who the better teams are going into next season. Uh, And unfortunately it just might, it might take away from any sort of fun, like, you know, plot twists as we call them, you know, that we'll get in the, at the end of the season. Um, Now I'm trying to look, what was I looking up was, so was Moochin glad back home. Mitchell yes, Lattenberg they were. Was home in Leverkusen, so that's huge. Um, and yeah, in, I, in I, Der Klassiker tonight, uh, Borussia Dortmund is home. So um, it's one of those where you know if Bayern Munich wins um, away to Dortmund, it's it's not one of those where we're like, oh my god, the home field advantage is gone just because of how talented Bayern is. But um, it's going to be much less, uh, you know, intimidating walking into the stadium in Dortmund without the yellow wall right there. 25,000 fans in that, in that wall alone. Um, 
that are not there that yeah. it, it it's going to be something positive for for any team that travels there saying you know we we can come in and get a result if we play our football the right way because we don't have the intimidation of of not even just the stadium as a whole but like I said that wall alone um you know looking at you know Dortmund's match they you know they got another win they won away to Wolfsburg 2-0 um but you know the big win for for the week a rough go this season for Mainz against uh Leipzig uh Leipzig won this one 5-0 away Timo Werner got a hat trick um the the home match for Leipzig earlier in the season the reverse fixture uh they won 8-0 so 13-0 uh overall this season for Leipzig over Mainz um and you know they had it was 2-0 in the 23rd, 3-0 by halftime. And then Timo Werner makes it 4-0 three minutes into the second half, and you're like, oh boy, we're going for the same thing, aren't we? Yeah. Um, and it, it didn't materialize. The, all the attacking play was was uh, coming from Leipzig. But honestly, Mainz did pretty well to keep it at yeah. 5-0, which is kind of ridiculous to say. But Yeah, well, that could be big for Mainz because, I mean, you look at, their sta- look at them in the standings now. They're in the bottom three. They're three points clear of the team below them. Uh, and they're three points away from... Oh, no, no, three points clear from the bottom three. Sorry. I'm getting confused because literally 14th, 15th, 16th is Dusseldorf, Mines, and Eintracht Frankfurt. They all have the same logo. It's all the same thing. Um, so Mines are three points clear of the drop zone. And with that loss, they, you know, like now they're... At, negative 24 goal difference so before that game they were four clear on goal difference uh, of Dusseldorf right below them so now in a tiebreaker with Dusseldorf they're you know like they lose that tiebreaker you know so like they're that that could be big for them moving forward not just the loss but the compre- how comprehensively they lost and, and the goals they gave up uh, but again, you know, like you said, they they did a good job of keeping it at five. So even then, like maybe just being able to keep it at five could be could be what saves their season. That that I mean, that's pretty incredible. Um, that are they do they what do they have they decided on relegation and they, like they're just going with it, right? Yeah, like, they're it's it's like going ahead. As, yeah, it's going ahead as planned. Um, yeah. You know, which is something we haven't quite seen the agreement on. And Jared, you will listen to the first half of this pod and hear a little bit of a discussion about you know the bottom teams in the Premier League trying to band together, um, as as we talked about earlier on. But um, you want to take a look at the match day twenty eight uh, fixtures that we've got coming up. Um, it's you know Mainz and uh, Union Berlin. Um, kind of a, a bottom half of the table. You know, Berlin are not quite safe. They're only six points clear um, of that drop zone, and they're they're having a pretty tough time in the, in the league as of late. Obviously, you know, we're not sure if form stays consistent from, the, uh, from pre-pandemic to post, but, uh, I mean, for Schalke, it definitely. Schalke, it, and it, Schalke's going up against Dusseldorf. That could yeah. be a big game for Dusseldorf to try and get out of that drop zone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, the the big one is, you know, taking place in just a little while today. Borussia Dortmund 
and Bayern Munich. Now, if Bayern win this, they go, uh, they will go seven points clear with six matches left to play, and you can kind of, you know, just say, you know, that that's going to be that. the The title is gone, at yeah. least in my opinion. But I mean, if Dortmund win this, mm-hmm. just just a point with six games to go where we have no idea how the rest of the season plays out based on um, the, you know, empty stadiums and teams handling. And, you know, God forbid if a player tests positive, you know, they're going to continue to, they're going to, do they shut it down? Or all signs point to, you know, them just pretending like that positive test is like, like he picked up a calf injury and is going to miss the match. So, um, that will will um, hopefully not be something that we deal with, but um, it'll be interesting so, I mean, to see so the far, the so outlook. Yeah, it'll 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 be interesting to see the outlook of it though, um, if if that is to happen. But I think the the big the big story today is the clash, the the two strikers, um, Robert Lewandowski, going up against Erling Haaland. Um, what do you think? They both they both bag a couple goals today. Yeah, it'll be eight, eight, seven. <laughs> eight, seven. Uh, <laughs> who's no, winning? Um, who's winning the eight, seven? Yes. Um, no, I think. Yeah, I mean, Holland seemed to have been on fire since coming back, and I mean, I the, before this whole thing broke, this was like a probably his best, maybe even maybe. Um, uh, Lewandowski's best season. Yeah, you know he's arguably his best season. So, I think you can see them. I think between the two of them, realistically, I say we'll see three goals between just the two of them. I don't know where else we'll get them, but I think it could be could be a hat trick for one of them and the other shut out. But yeah, I mean, like, but the, yeah, like you said, this is the this is the game that will define how the rest of the season is going to go like this could be huge like if if like that might like like i said i haven't i haven't even really watched any of the games yet i've watched highlights but i haven't like tuned into the live games if dortmund win today and i might put it on just have it on just to see if dortmund win today that might hook me that might be what hooks me because i i said on previous episode like i i didn't think i think this was just going to kind of be like Bayern pulling away from the pack and they still might if they win that's what this is and the season will just go you know but it'll be interesting to see the two through five mm-hmm. um where that pans out but but in terms of the title if if Dortmund can get a win here that title race is back open for for, for everyone because what it'd be yeah. 61 60 and then i mean there's a little possibly bit of a 57 if if leipzig win yeah Right, but yeah, it's not like it's it's not that big of a gap. Like no. it'll be Yeah. It's it's so, it's if, certainly if those doable. Teams get their wins. Yeah, it's it's what a, it's a match. Yeah. About a match away. Um so that'll be it'll, it, it's a big moment. Big moment for the Bundesliga. Now uh the what I'm I'm taking a look um Jaden Sancho is on the bench. Um Giovanni Reina is actually back on the bench as well, so that that injury didn't keep him out long. Um, so maybe we'll get to see him. Um, the you know the other Concacaf uh, angle we're taking for Bayern Munich is 
the rising star in Alfonso Davies. Um, he is so good. he is becoming one of the top left backs in the world very quickly. Um, he has ousted, uh, you know, because of Davies, David Alaba is playing center back, and Lucas Hernandez, who can who was just signed this past summer, who can play left back and center back is out of the team entirely on the bench. And he is Bayern Munich's club record signing. Um, so a, a Canadian teenager is, is That's crazy. doing poor, that. I mean, and poor, poor Canada. It's like, <laughs> Hey Canada, just so you know, in the coming years, you're going to have arguably the best player in his position. Oh, sweet. Wow. Yeah. We're going to be good. What is it? Left back. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did play <laughs> he on the wing. It. He played on I the wing when he was with with uh, Footy Adu's favorite uh, Canadian MLS club in the Vancouver Whitecaps. Oh, of course. Um, but you know, he yeah, he has made that transition to to fullback. But well, I mean, that's what Alaba did, right? Alaba was a midfielder who played left back for Bayern, right? Like, yeah. He played on. Um, he played in the midfield for. Um, his national team. So like, I'm sure Davies will do more for his national team than just, uh, play left back. But, yeah. It's know. like one of those situations where it's like, ah, the best player, throw him at number 10 and you know, he'll, he'll kind of be involved in everything. Right. So, um, but yeah, so we're, we're going to, you know, keep an eye on, you know, this fixture and we'll, we'll be talking about this fixture plus the, the fixtures coming up. Next what do you weekend. What's happening? What's your prediction? Are we, are we making predictions? So I have I have a little riding on it. I placed a preseason uh, bet on Borussia Dortmund to win the Bundesliga. I, I my thoughts were that if there was any year that they were going to do it, they had a pretty good chance this year. They made some decent signings in the summer, so I'm I'm all in on 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 Dortmund here. Um, but okay. but ultimately, I do think Bayern are actually going to win this one. Yeah, I think Bayern will. I think I think ever I think the the three team the four teams below them missed their chance, um, and that's the thing with Bayern. Every year it's like oh this and you look back even just looking back on it they're only four points clear but it's so tight up there it's like this was the year, you know Bayern yeah. Bayern are so good but yeah they might go through a year where they have a couple weak links and they might transition and you know they what mm-hmm. they they. They they fired their manager at some point this season, right? Early yeah. On? Uh, Kovac was yeah, was Kovac, let go. Yeah. So like you know this was the year you could have been seen as maybe, but I mean if this is a transitional year for Bayern, oh boy, and they're yeah. going to win the win the uh, the title. Yeah. Um, if this is what they look at rebuild, then right. uh, I'm scared to see what comes. Right, which makes it looking back, it makes it all the more impressive that you yeah, know, like what Klopp was able to do with Dortmund and able to win the the league. Uh, with Dortmund that one year, obviously um, lost to Bayern in the in the final that we were talking about. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping I'm pulling for Dortmund. I think yeah, Bayern. I'm gonna go Bayern four two. Bayern four two. I'll say Bayern uh, three two. Is it gonna be back and forth? Is it gonna be three one? And then the Dortmund get a consolation goal. Two two nil lead for Dortmund. They collapse. Oh boy! <laughs> uh, Football is back. That'll be that'll be fun. Uh, make sure VAR is involved. But I mean, yeah. they do VAR actually competently in Germany, so um, uh, it it won't be that yeah, interesting. Cause that's, yeah, because they're like, hey, you should check this out. Like, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna go actually go look at it. <laughs> um, yeah, they're like, hey, 
you might want to look at this and you're like the monitor's way too yeah. far away. No, for real, <laughs> just, he's like, just fucking hey, tell me. Hey, you should go look at it. I'm Mike Dean. All right. Yeah. Do you think I'm? <laughs> think you, I'm over there? You, you know who you're fucking talking to? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mike Dean. <laughs> who do you think no you ball. are? I am. Literally, no Mike ball. Dean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no goal. No, no, but I'm telling. you. What are you talking yeah. about? I, I, it was an offset. Yeah. It was. It's zero zero. Oh. No goal. <laughs> okay. No goal. <laughs> All righty then. Um, Dean, you should send that guy off. <laughs> he two-footed a guy at midfield. No goal. Oh, I'm like, my Dean, God. I'm not looking at the replay. How long can Literally. we... <laughs> Jared, by the way, before I give you an outro, Jared took pre-workout a couple minutes ago. So um, that bit continuing on had almost all to do with the fact that he's tingling right now. <laughs> um, but uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and you can even find us on Facebook now. Um, it's at Footy Do. Facebook.com slash Footy Do. Um, follow you as on Twitter. Well. I'm Mike Dean. I'm not Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> All right. I'm going to mute you. Um, but, no, yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Um, thank you again to Ricky Hart from the 1881 Club for, for uh, giving us an insight into Watford. It was good to not only have someone who you know produces Watford Media, but a season ticket holder as well. Um, and give us the insight on what's going on at the club and, you know, kind of what it feels like um, for, uh, you know, empty stadiums for a season ticket holder, which is something that um, they they don't seem to be too fond about. But, um, Jared, as always, pardon our French.